Well, as we've been hearing, David Cameron has returned to politics as the new Foreign Secretary. He served as Prime Minister from 2010 to 2016, resigning after the Brexit referendum when Britain voted to leave the European Union. He'd campaigned to remain in the EU. Here's our deputy political editor, Vicky Young. As party leader, David Cameron wanted to be seen as a modern, centrist, compassionate conservative, highlighting green issues, welcoming Liberal Democrats into government and legalising gay marriage. All a far cry from the so-called culture wars of recent years. Good. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. On the steps of Downing Street... While out of office, the now Lord Cameron has been critical of some of Rishi Sunak's decisions, including scrapping part of the HS2 line, but there have been shifts in foreign policy too. While he wooed the Chinese president over a pint in an English pub, today many Tory MPs see Beijing as a huge threat. His intervention in Libya in 2011 faced damning criticism. The Foreign Affairs Select Committee said it had been done with no proper intelligence analysis and the failures led to the country becoming a failed state. Even more difficult could be questions about David Cameron's career since leaving Downing Street. A committee of MPs accused him of a significant lack of judgment over his lobbying of ministers on behalf of the finance group Greensill Capital. It has been the greatest honour of my life to serve our country as Prime Minister. His legacy as Prime Minister was Brexit and the misjudgment that he could win the referendum. Some voters will never forgive him for that or the programme of austerity he oversaw. It's very rare for a former Prime Minister to return to the Cabinet. It means an experienced voice in the top team at a time of international turmoil. But it gives opposition parties and some Tories plenty to complain about. Vicky Young, BBC News, Westminster. Well, let's hot foot it back to Downing Street and our correspondent, Ione Wells. Ione, there's been rumours for so long about a possible big reshuffle. Why this morning? Uh, afternoon, Katia. Well, that's right. Uh, the timing of this is really key, and I think it is both practical and political as well. First, on the practical side of things, Suella Braverman's position as Home Secretary was looking increasingly untenable after she defied Rishi Sunak, refused to make changes to some of her language around policing, and particularly the policing of protests. Now, clearly, if she was going to get sacked, that opens a vacancy at the top of government that needed to be filled. It was filled by James Cleverley, former Foreign Secretary and another vacancy created there. So that is how these moving parts have all kind of escalated this morning. But there is a political reason to this too, I think. We are expecting a general election next year. And for months and months and months, the Conservatives have lagged far behind in voter opinion polls. And Rishi Sunak has been under pressure to shake things up and really uh, turn things around for the party, both by his MPs, but also voters too. Now, David Cameron is seen as much more on the centre of the Conservative Party, compared to Suella Braverman. So this big change today potentially signals the change of direction to the party that Rishi Sunak thinks may be necessary to try and win back electoral support. It is interesting, though, because on policy areas, David Cameron has disagreed on a number of things compared to Rishi Sunak, whether it is cuts to the foreign aid budget or cuts to certain legs of HS2. So it will be interesting to see how they two work together in government. Certainly Labour are saying that Rishi Sunak cannot claim to represent change by bringing back a former Conservative Prime Minister. For now, Ione, thank you very much indeed. Well, our home editor, Mark Eason, is here. Mark, 
For the new Home Secretary, this is going to be a busy, busy week. Migration, public protests. Yeah, a bulging in-tray for the new Home Secretary. Uh, of course, Wednesday is the Rwanda judgment at the Supreme Court, the centrepiece of their uh, policy to stop the boats. We'll get a ruling on that. But I think probably top of the pile, the most urgent thing for him uh, is going to be the legacy of the row over the pro-Palestinian protest we saw on Saturday. Downing Street's understood to want him immediately to review police powers to make it easier easier to ban such marches and also easier to arrest people who glorify terrorism. But this is not going to be straightforward. Lowering the bar on when to ban protests would almost certainly lead to a, an immediate legal challenge because there will be lawyers who claim it breaches a fundamental human right, the right to freedom of assembly and association as set out in the European Convention of Human Rights and enshrined in UK law. On arrests, I think senior officers will say actually when and where to arrest individuals is really an operational matter and there is always a risk that using snatch squads to pull people out who've got some kind of dodgy placard could actually create public unrest itself. Now Scotland Yard are going through social media and their own surveillance uh, pictures to identify people apparently committing hate crimes but it is really difficult to know exactly where the line is crossed. This could be quite a long process.